Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah. We start reading in Isaiah 41, verse 21. And we'll keep reading into chapter 42, verse 9. Isaiah 41, verse 21 and following. This is the word of God. Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the King of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things what they were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, you are nothing. And your work is nothing. He who chooses you is an abomination. I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun. He shall call on my name, and he shall come against princes as though mortar, as the potter treads clay. Who has declared from the beginning that we may know, and former times that we may say he is righteous? Surely there is no one who shows, surely there is no one who declares Surely there is no one who hears your words. The first time I said to Zion, Look, there they are, and I will give to Jerusalem one who brings good tidings. For I looked, and there was no man. I looked among them, but there was no counselor. Who, when I asked of them, could answer a word? Indeed, they are all worthless. Their works are nothing. Their molded images are wind and confusion. And here begins our text for this morning. Here the Lord, after talking about the idols that are nothing, he now presents his servant. 42 verse 1, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. This is the end of our text for this morning, but we read on a few more verses. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will hold your hand. I will, <clears throat> I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. 
before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So far, our scripture reading. And as I indicated, our text is uh, chapter 42, the first four verses. So let's read that once more. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, or my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the second Sunday in the season of Advent. Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Advent means coming or arrival. It refers to the coming of Christ in the world, the Son of God, our Savior. It also refers to the second coming of Christ. We live between the first and the second Advent coming of Christ. So that the time of Advent in the church calendar is a time of waiting, expecting, considering what we have received already in Christ and what we still expect to receive from Him in the future. Waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Waiting for our Savior to be revealed. You will remember that in the time that Christ was born, there were people in Israel who were waiting for the Savior to be born. If I ask the children who are in elementary school, can you think of an old man who was waiting for the Savior to be born? I think you would know his name probably. Simeon, an old man. And in Luke chapter 2, we read that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And in the same chapter, Luke chapter 2, I think the children know that too. There's an, an old lady. She was also waiting. It says she was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You know her name, I think? Her name was Anna, the prophetess. And Simeon and Anna, when they saw the child Jesus being brought to the temple by his parents, they were overjoyed. Simeon praised God and he says, now my eyes have seen your salvation. Now you can take me and I can depart. And Anna, we read about her that when she had seen baby Jesus, she spoke of the child, it says, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So you see, there were people waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the redemption of God's people. That's what they were doing. 
And in some way, that's what we are still doing today. The Savior was born, Lord Jesus was born, faithfully carried out his work as our Savior, but as you know, he's not finished yet. And therefore, it is important to know our Savior and also his character and also his mandate, his task description. What can we expect from him? Now, people like Simeon and Anna, they waited for the Lord and they had a good idea of what the Lord was going to do, the Savior, because they had the prophecies of Isaiah. And this morning, we too are going to, to look at an old prophecy of Isaiah, spoken long before the, the Lord came, before the, Jesus was born. It's like, it's like you're reading an ad in a magazine for a position that has already been filled. I don't know if you have, sometimes have that experience. Maybe you find an old clarion or something ten years ago, and in that clarion there is an ad for, let's say, a principal for a school, and the ad will say, we, we look for this, this person with this character and, and these abilities. And you know that by now, that position has been filled and you know who is in that position. And you read the ad and you say, wow, yeah, I know who, who is in this position and that's actually the kind of person that he is. And that's actually what he's doing. Now, the same thing happens when we read Isaiah 42 this morning, verse 1 to 4. It's like we are reading a description, not an ad, but a description of our Savior, who He is, what kind of person He is, and what He will, will do, and how He will give us salvation. So, let us listen to these old words, knowing that they are talking about the Lord Jesus, and then reflecting on, yes, this is indeed our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is His character, this is the work that He does, and He has done so much already, but there is still more to come. So the theme here is that the Lord, God Almighty, presents His servant as the true Savior, the real Savior. That's the first line there. Behold, my servant whom I uphold. It's like God in heaven is calling on us. Behold, watch, look, this is my servant whom I present to you. So the Lord presents to us this morning His servant as our true Savior. And may the Lord bless that to our hearts and minds this morning. The first thing that we hear about is His, his high calling. Behold, verse 1, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him, he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Why did the Lord have to call his people to look at the servant? Why this call? Well, at that time of Isaiah's prophecy, the people needed encouragement. It was the time after the exile, because people were dispersed. Because of their disobedience, things had not 
gone well, the temple was destroyed, and you know the history. It was really bad. But the Lord had not forgotten his people, and that is why he comes with this call. I'm giving you a servant. I'm giving you a chosen one in whom my soul delights. So the people needed encouragement. But the people also needed a warning, you might say, that they should not look elsewhere for salvation. That's why we read the previous passage, chapter 41, where the Lord has a kind of a discussion with the so-called idols of the nations. The Lord says, present your case, verse 21. Bring forth your reason. Do something. Say something, you idols. But they cannot do anything. Verse 24, you are nothing, your work is nothing, and he who chooses you is an abomination. So the previous passage, the Lord had had spoken about the futility of going after idols, false gods. They, they are nothing, they cannot do anything. You're crazy if you, if you expect anything from them. And then in verse, chapter 42, the Lord presents the real solution, my servant, the true Savior, the real one, the only one who is able to put things right and comfort God's people. So he says, behold, my servant, this is, this is the one you ought to look at. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit on him. Do you recognize these words? Do you remember another time when similar words were spoken about someone? Many years later, at the River Jordan, when Jesus of Nazareth came to the River Jordan to John the Baptist, you know what happened. Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So, we know that Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the chosen one, the voice from heaven said it, and the Spirit came upon him like a dove. And as time went on, it became clear why Jesus was the chosen one who was able to bring salvation to God's people. He was the Son of God. God had sent His own Son into the world to become human, like us, so that God's Son could finally be the true Savior of the world. That's the gospel, brothers and sisters. God sent His own Son. He is the, the servant whom God upholds and said, this is the one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. So what is he called to do? The last line of verse 1. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles or to the nations. But that's a very short summary of what the Savior came to do. He will bring forth justice. 
So it's very important for us this morning to understand what this means. What does it mean that Jesus, that the Lord came to do to bring forth justice? What, is, what kind of justice is this? Is it like mission work or is it like peace between the nations, political peace? Or is it like being justified from your sins? Or what is, what is in mind here? Well, it would be helpful if we, we can understand justice if we understand the kind of injustice that was happening. And that is an important theme in Isaiah as well. May I ask you to turn with me a few chapters on in the book of Isaiah to chapter 59. I'd like to read a few verses with you there. Isaiah 59, verse 9 and following. Isaiah 59, verse 9. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. We look for salvation, but it is far from us. That's a powerful description of the unhappy situation where there is no justice. And it continues, verse 12. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. What a what a sorry state of affairs. What a, here, is, here is injustice described. There is no truth anymore. Um, truth has fallen in the street, we read in verse 14. Honesty is absent. People are liars. And the good people, the people who are good, they become the victims of injustice. So overall, that's, that's what people are seeing here. There's no more justice, there is lots of injustice, no truth, um, people are oppressed. And what is the main problem, the root problem, verse 12, our transgressions are multiplied before you, our sins testify against you. So there is widespread rebellion against the Lord among God's own people. And that is why there is no justice anymore. And perhaps if we look around us and we, we look at our situation today and our own lives, maybe we can relate to that. There is so much that is not right in the world. Verse 14, it's almost like it describes Canada, 2021. Righteousness stands afar off. Truth is fallen in the street, 
There is no truth in the public square. People are blinded by lies, far from God. There is poverty here, there is unhappiness there, there is hunger here, there is illness there, there is oppression, there is abuse. There are so many things that are not right. And we can point fingers at politicians and other leaders, but in the meantime, we are reminded that we ourselves are part of the problem. Verse 12, our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. It's terrible what happens in the world, brothers and sisters. So many things. The world is unable to solve its problems. And, but deep down we know that we are all to blame. And where will we get help? And is there help? Well, the world is trying to solve its problems. Of course, we hear it on the news every day. This person has this solution, that person has that solution, and it has always been like that. We've had the communists, we, have, we had the Nazis, we had nationalists, we've had capitalists, we have Muslims. They all come and say, if you do what I tell you to do, then the world will be a better place. But we do not need these self-appointed saviors. We need the one that is given to us by God. Still in that chapter that we were reading, verse 15b, it says, Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. That's the gospel. The Lord saw it. The Lord saw that the world was a mess. It displeased him that there was no justice. And therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And now we can turn back to chapter 42. Because that is, this is the Lord's solution. Look. Behold, my servant, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. This one is different from all the other so-called saviors. Because he is appointed by God and he is endowed with the Holy Spirit. This man, this servant of God, will bring forth justice to Israel and also to the nations, to the Gentiles, it says. Not just Israel, also to the Gentiles. And we know who he is. It is our Lord Jesus Christ, and we know how he has already laid a foundation for a world that knows no injustice anymore. That is our joy in the time of Advent. That is why we look forward to celebrating Christmas. Paul says in Colossians, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So what is needed, brothers and sisters? In the first place, this, that we look to Jesus, the Son of God, for our salvation, for justice in, in every uh, 
part of our life. Because He is the Son of God and He is anointed with the Holy Spirit. He is able to bring forth justice in the world. Now, what kind of person is He? What, what is His character? And that is what our text explains next. So we come to the second thought of the sermon, the, the, the text. Uh, the character of this Savior. Verse 2. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor ca cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, smoking flax he will not quench, he will bring forth justice for truth. In these words we see a beautiful description of who our Lord Jesus was for God's people. He did not cry out, it says. He did not make a lot of noise like worldly leaders do. Yes, he went around to preach the gospel. He taught people about the things of God, but like he maintained a low profile. He was just with the people. He was humble. He healed people. But after he had healed someone, he would often say, now don't tell anyone else about me. He did not seek the company of the elite, the important people in the country, but he rather associated with those who needed comfort and healing, the poor, the sore, the sick, the sinners. That was the kind of person he was, and still is. And then it says, a bruised reed he will not break. Beautiful expression, a bruised reed he will not break. What is a bruised reed, you might ask? What? That's a description of, of a kind of person. What is a bruised reed? Well, we can find out in the New Testament because this prophecy is actually quoted in Matthew 12. And when you read that chapter, you get a good idea of what Isaiah is talking about. Matthew 12 is a story of how Jesus saw a man with a shriveled hand. So a man with, with an arm that didn't work well. That man was a bruised reed, right? He maybe he had one arm, but the other arm didn't work. So, yeah, difficult for such a man to, to have a living. Maybe even difficult to, to marry a woman. That man was a bruised reed, and Jesus took care of him and healed him. Come forward, stretch out your hand, and the man was healed. He, a bruised reed, he will not break. Another example in the same chapter, Matthew 12. People brought a man to the Lord who was demon-possessed. He was blind and mute. He couldn't see, he couldn't speak. And he had a demon, a terrible situation. And Jesus took care of that man. He healed him, rebuked the demon. That man got his life back. That is what we see the Lord do. A bruised reed he will not break. No, he will strengthen the bruised reed. A smoking flax he will not quench. He will, he will allow that flame to, to, to become strong. That's what he does with our lives. Simon Peter, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, summarized it in, in a beautiful way. In Acts chapter 10, when he thought back 
of what Jesus, who Jesus was. He said this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So this prophecy of Isaiah gives us a picture, brothers and sisters, of the Jesus whom we know from the Gospels. And the comfort for us today is that the Lord Jesus is still the same. Of course, he ascended into heaven, but he said to his disciples, I, I stay with you. I won't leave you. I stay with you. Uh, with his, as, as our catechism says, Lord's Day 18, with his um, human identity, he's in heaven, his body, but according to his divinity, his divine nature, and his majesty, and his grace, and his spirit, he never leaves us alone. So when Isaiah speaks about a Savior who will not break a, a bruised reed, and who will not quench smoking flax. You can take that as a promise for today. For you, if you feel like you're a bruised reed for whatever reason. And many of us feel like that for various reasons. This is a promise. A bruised reed he will not break. He will be tender. He will strengthen you. The Lord is in heaven, but he does that for you in your daily life. It's a comfort for us, and I call you to believe that. It's wonderful if you think of it. The Lord Jesus came to save the world. So he has the salvation of all nations on his mind. And at the same time, he does not overlook the needs of a single person. A man or a woman, a boy or a girl, who feels weak and fragile. Jesus... When he was on earth, he had big things on his mind. He, was, he knew he was the Savior. He had to go to the cross in Jerusalem. He was the Savior for God's people. Big things. And at the same time, he had an eye for every bruised reed, every weak and fragile person along the way. And he never broke one of them. The leper, the demon-possessed person, the tax collector, the businessman, the old woman who was suffering from a disease, the paralytic, the disabled man. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus had been on earth in our time, where would he go? Where are the bruised reeds and the smoldering wicks in, in our time? Maybe he would travel to Africa where people are dying of AIDS. Or maybe he would go to, maybe he would save the unborn children and mother's wombs. Or maybe he would go to an anchor home to the disabled person there. Or maybe he would just see an unhappy teenager and, and, and help that person, that young person. Or maybe he would go to the old age home, the nursing home where there is an elderly brother or sister who is suffering from loneliness. But I think he would see everybody. 
In a sense, we are all bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. So however, whatever your situation is in your life, man, woman, boy, girl, maybe you think, I am a sinner. I have messed up so many times. There's so much that's not right in my life. If you feel like that, this is the gospel for you. The Lord doesn't go after the strong reeds that can stand alone in the wind and weather a storm. The Lord looks, is looking for those bruised reeds and he will not break them and the smoking flax and he will not quench. So that's a wonderful picture of the gentle character of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is in heaven, as I said before, but he, he, he still watches us, he is with us, and he strengthens us through his Holy Spirit. Believe it, brothers and sisters, that's the gospel. We come to the last aspect of our text, verse 4. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. There are two things that are brought out clearly here. The first thing is how faithful he is, the servant of the Lord. He will not rest till he has established justice on earth. He will not falter or be discouraged. He will continue. He will do it. So, there is a future still. We know the Lord has come. The Lord is in heaven. He's, he's going to return. He's not finished building his kingdom yet. The time will come that the nations will come and say, let's go to the house of God, the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. There will be a day when there is peace and harmony on the new earth. A day when the nations will beat the, their swords into plowshares. There will be a day when there will be truly righteousness. We read these passages from Isaiah a lot during the time of Advent. Isaiah 11, for example, about a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch that shall grow out of his roots, the Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, and so forth. And then it says in verse 4, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with his breath with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. It's still coming. He's working at it. Lord Jesus, Son of God. There will be justice, perfect justice. He's working on it now. It will be complete in his time. There will also be judgment, as the Bible says. We can trust him. It is sure. And why can we be so sure? that it will truly happen because this servant is different from all the others. As we have seen in verse 1, he is sent from God and endowed with the Spirit of God. And we know him. It's the Lord Jesus. When you read about him in the Gospels, you see his determination and his perseverance and how he went to the cross in order to lay the foundation of justice for us. The devil tried to sidetrack him. Many people were against him, but he did it. And you know what? Our text speaks about a bruised reed. 
Now he, the Son of God, was willing to be bruised and broken. He was willing to be a, a bruised reed that was totally broken. That's how he achieved our reconciliation with God. And then, when he was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, he is now working out that plan of redemption from his exalted position in heaven. He is determined. He will not fail nor be discouraged. That's what our text promises to us. The other aspect that is also emphasized here is the, the scope of, of his redemption. The universal, worldwide scope of his redemption. The coastlands or the islands, you can also translate, shall wait for his law. He will establish justice in the earth, so it is broad. The whole earth, the islands. Now, the islands, if Isaiah speaks about the islands, in their mind, those were the, the faraway places, as far as they could think. Of course, they didn't have the knowledge of the world that we have today, but islands that would be Western Europe and faraway places where the ships might go. So think of the savages of Western Europe. My ancestors still running wild, serving idols, your ancestors probably. Or think of the barbarians of Asia. Think of the natives of North America or the aboriginals of Melanesia and PNG. They did not know him. They did not know salvation. The, they were guilty and they would not survive in God's judgment. But by God's grace, God reaches out to all those people. He says, my servant is for my people Israel, but he will establish justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. The islands will put their hope in the government of the servant of God. We know that people follow self-appointed saviors for a while, but it's always a disappointment. For a while, people thought that Adolf Hitler, he was the solution. What a shame it was in the end. People thought that Lenin, Stalin, that they had uh, found the solution to all the problems. You know how that turned out. Others believe that if you just follow the imams of, of Islam, uh, that will, then the world will be a better place. Uh, the world will be a bad place under the tyranny of man-made laws. When you follow a man-made, self-appointed savior, you will end up living under a tyrant, someone who will break the bruised reeds and quench out the smoking flax. But our, prof our prophecy says, the Lord says, look at this one, look at my servant, the one I give to you, I present to you. He will bring forth justice. He will not break the bruised reed. He will, he will establish peace and harmony, and his government will be good to everyone. We are still on the way. There is still so much injustice in the world and so many wrong solutions that are proposed. But we as believers, brothers and sisters, let us continue to put our hope in Jesus Christ, 
the King of Kings. He will prove that he is faithful. He will continue his work of salvation till he has established justice in the earth. That is the promise that I may proclaim to you this morning. So, what is the call? What's the conclusion if we have heard this, these prophecies? Two things, brothers and sisters, that I'd like to conclude with. First, let us put our faith in this servant, in this Savior. This Savior who, who has a plan to, to redeem people from all nations. It's a universal plan that he has. And who at the same time, because he is the Son of God, has an eye for each and every single believer. The bruised reed, the smoking flax. Put your hope in him. And use this time of Advent as we, as we go further towards Christmas later this month. Do not forget about him. Remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is ruling from on high. And it is his plan and his work, his mandate to bring forth justice to the world, to your lives. And that doesn't mean that you'll only get something in the future. Already now, he's working in our lives, as you know, through his word and spirit. Do not ignore this call. Do not ignore this call of God. Behold my servant whom I uphold. God presents his, his son to us. And what he asks is, behold and put your faith in him. Do not walk away from him. Because if you walk away from this servant, from this son of God, you cannot walk away from him, actually. Because if you walk away from him today, you will one day meet him as a judge on the last day. This servant, no one can walk away from him, really. So, let us all follow this servant. Let us put our faith in him. We've heard about his character. We've heard about his work. So, that's the first thing. And the second thing that we, we should learn from this is this, let us imit imitate this Savior. Let us be like him, because Jesus, through his Spirit, is working renewal in your and my life, and he wants us to follow him, and he wants us to be more and more like him. You know, Christ-likeness. Let there be a connection between our faith in Christ and the effect it has on our lives that we look for salvation, that we trust God, but also that we too would be people who do not break bruised reeds, that we would be people who do not quench smoking flax. I think if we put our faith in this servant of God, it is incumbent upon us to support his work that he's doing in the world, mission work, right here in your own area, or when you give your donations to mission work in other places in the world. And when you think of the bruised reeds in our community, here or elsewhere in the world, the Lord would not break a bruised reed. Well, we shouldn't do it either. So maybe this becomes very practical. You support an organization that helps young mothers who struggle with unwanted pregnancy, 
like beginnings, for example, or you support an organization that helps the poor in other parts of the world, COWRF or Word and Deed, becomes very practical. We cannot save the world. Jesus Christ will do that. But as we, if we follow him, we can be more and more like him. Understand what he means with justice and peace and harmony, but also be people who have an eye for the bruised reeds and the smoking flax in our community. In conclusion then, brothers and sisters, let us be people who are believing in Jesus Christ as the servant who is given to us, the chosen one who has the spirit, and who will establish justice in his time and in his way. Let us put our faith in him. Let us wait for the consolation, like the old man I started to, Simeon, Anna. Let us be like them, waiting for the completion of that work of Jesus Christ. And let the time of Advent be a time that we also reflect on, on the Lord's plan to establish justice on the earth. And in the meantime, enjoy the gentle care of this beautiful Savior. Enjoy what He does in your life already now and expect so much more that is yet to come. What a beautiful message we received from the prophet Isaiah this morning. Amen.